My name is Richard. I work for AWS Mobile. And um, I'm responsible for uh, a couple of the launches the past few weeks. Uh, one is, you might have seen yesterday, a new service that we released called AppSync, which is managed GraphQL as a service. Uh, the other thing that I'm responsible for is uh, a lot of the JavaScript strategy that we've had in AWS Mobile over the past six months, uh, such as our support for the um, JavaScript frameworks on mobile web, as well as hybrid like React Native and Ionic. Um, and today, what I'm going to focus on is uh, a library that we released uh, about a week ago and um, have some big plans for in the future as well. But um, uh, specifically, this library is called AWS Amplify. And I'm going to go into the details about first why we built this and kind of some of the capabilities. And then I'm going to do a couple you know, small little demos here of how you can get started a bit with it in your app. So um, as we're getting into this, right, uh, you know, many of you, I'm assuming, uh, are thinking about building some applications, right? This might be you might have uh, enterprise workloads to where you want to add on a front end to engage new areas of consumers. Or you could be at different stages of your business life cycle, right? Um, these might be things like I'm building a startup or I've got a medium-sized business and I want to either pivot or you know, launch it mobile first or do all sorts of different strategies, right? And if you think about the innovation nowadays happening in the marketplace, like a lot of them, whether these are games or you know, new services like delivering cars to people at different locations, right? Um, the truth is uh, mobile really permeates our everyday life in different ways, right? So some of these could be how AR, VR is coming into the workplace in the home. They could be how uh, you know, IoT devices essentially have mobile front ends on top of them, like smart refrigerators and things like this. And um, you know, to really differentiate in business, you need to tackle this space in one way or the other. So um, if you think about those, some of those use cases that I said, right? Like many of them, you, you don't start and say, well, I, wanna, I have this idea and I want to build an app. And it's got to have a cool um, you know, UI for people to log on, right? That's, that's probably not where you start. And you probably didn't say, I want to build this app. And when somebody clicks a button, I really want it to have analytics to know how many people click that button, right? The truth is um, people start with data first. And that's usually around either text and lists and ints and floats and things like that. Or it's content, like they're showing pictures or a bunch of posts on a wall and stuff like this. And that's basically where our strategy starts. But very quickly, we start thinking about, well, how do I secure these things? Um, how do I have different privacy controls, either for my app holistically or on the individual user basis? Uh, how do I add things like MFA? Maybe the uh, avenue of getting data into my system is a backend API. Now, um, you could use something like AppSync if you wanted to, uh, to have GraphQL from day one. Or you might have uh, you know, legacy systems or reasons to use like REST-based backends, which are still very valid today. Um, even with new types of data interaction patterns that happen, right? So you need to know how to control and connect to all of these things. Um, you also uh, are probably thinking, especially if, if you have existing teams or you have new teams, like how can I accelerate development more than just the technology? And uh, the truth is, uh, when it comes to hiring expertise for skills, uh, native development is really great. And it's, it's, it's kind of like you can almost equate it in some ways to like levels of abstraction like we do with serverless platforms on top of you know, EC2 instances, which are virtualized, um, you know, hypervisors on top of bare metal and so forth. Well, the, the kind of push in today's day and age when we see a lot of these hybrid platforms or even mobile web is kind of abstractions up from the native platforms that are underneath them. And the reason why a lot of people are hot on this is not only because, you know, they get, you know, faster iteration in dev, but it's also about skill set. Like, it's, it's really hard to just, like, hire an Android developer and you spend six months hiring them. And, you know, that's a very specialized skill set that they can just develop on this one platform. And they might only know this piece of that platform instead of the whole breadth of the ecosystem. So 
That's, that's really a lot of the motivation that we found from talking to customers is people that want to accelerate their business faster. So some things that you can do on AWS today um, with, with JavaScript as an ecosystem, right, as a platform. Um, you can do secure authent and authc, so that's authentication and authorization. We're going to talk about those things differently, right? Authentication proving who you are, authorization proving what you have access to. Um, you can connect to APIs. This might be uh, APIs traditional, like um, maybe you're trying to call a REST endpoint uh, that's built on EC2, or it might be something like a serverless platform like API Gateway. You can connect via real-time. Uh, that could be real-time like you saw, uh, might have seen yesterday in some of our AppSync announcements with uh, using GraphQL subscriptions, or it could be connecting to something like AWS IoT. You can do analytics and targeting messaging, which is pretty interesting because the channels aren't one-to-one -one necessarily anymore, just being an individual mobile device. This could be analytics and targeted messaging doing push. It could be text. could even be email. Maybe uh, your real-time messaging is actually another channel as well you want to bring into that. And finally, of course, you know, I talked about rich content. You're probably going to want something like a global CDN hooked up to this or, or other avenues to, to stream video um, that's very, uh, you know, um, aware of mobile connections and, and isn't going to drain battery life or CPU cycles. Um, and of course, you can do a lot more, right? I'm just kind of touching the surface here. You can do all sorts of stuff from bot connections, and you can do, uh, you know, um, voice translation, as we recently saw, and, and there's a lot more capabilities. But these are some of the basics that people usually focus on. So what are some AWS services, if you're not familiar, to tackle some of these things? Um, so our, our headline story, especially around mobile web and mobile development in general, is always to lead with, um, you know, to talk about Amazon Cognito, right? So there's, there's other services you could use, right? You could, you know, hook up to STS or other credentials management providers, but um, Cognito is really built specifically to handle a lot of different workflows when it comes to mobile client um, kind of sign in and sign out and, and different flows from a user basis. So this might be unauthenticated use cases to where you still want to know the identity of the user and the device from a tracking perspective, but they haven't actually logged in. So maybe you use unauthenticated roles to give them a preview of your site, but they can't comment on articles or things like that until they log in. Then they could go through an authenticated flow to where they you know, either log on with Facebook or you know, Google Plus um, or log on with Amazon. Uh, and in which case, you, you actually give them a new role with new credentials so they can do some of these other activities that they might not have had access to. Um, a new feature that, uh, well, it's actually not new right now, but it's not very well known, but that Cognito can do through these flows is fine grain access control. So you, at runtime, can basically look at who's logging in and provide rules like, are they in the engineering group? Are they in um, you know, the HR group or something else? And give them specific roles based off of that group that they're in. Um, of course, all of this comes back to federation, so multiple services and providers that you're joining together. The reason we usually talk about auth first is because all the other services which do all the cool things like providing data and so forth are usually stopped if you haven't gotten credentials. So once you've gotten credentials, usually customers start to look at, they're like, okay, cool, how do I pass this to API Gateway? Well, API Gateway, um, as many as you might know, fully managed APIs, a front door for many apps uh, if you're using a REST-style backend. But most customers want to protect it based off of uh, AWS credentials, right? So these, and I'm going to talk about how those AWS credentials work in a little bit behind the scenes. Um, AWS Lambda is usually the backing store of this for running compute logic in the cloud. 
I'm not going to talk too much in detail about that right now because um, that's kind of on the compute track. Um, and, but you know, once you're doing these things too, like if somebody got data by pressing a button, you might want to track like every single screen transition they do, every single button click they do, things like that, and even just get base analytics built in. Um, I'm going to show you how you can do that with Amplify a little bit later and then do targeted messaging based off of this. Um, I talked a little bit about AWS AppSync as well. Um, and of course, uh, another big thing of this service that we announced yesterday is this is built in offline capabilities as well, not just real time. So you can write JavaScript applications that automatically work offline on multiple types of uh, platforms and frameworks, and you get this stuff built in. And then finally, some of the tools that we have behind the scenes to, to, to automate some of these. Uh, AWS Mobile Hub has been around for um, a few years now. Uh, we also have released uh, about a week and a half ago, you might have seen it, specifically for the front-end engineer, is a CLI that lets you automate these workflows. So many of our customers found that, okay, it's cool, you're scaffolding an app from scratch, but what if I have an existing project, like a React or React Native or an Ionic project? You can literally use this CLI, you can in install it from NPM, um, and then just navigate into your project and inject features inside of it like auth, like analytics, and so forth. So let's talk about APIs and serverless. Um, this might be a common pattern that, that you've probably seen before where I have some you know, backing store, I, I have API gateway with Lambda, and I want to do fine-grained writes and reads to my DynamoDB table. How do I connect to this from a, from a client? Well, the pattern, the way to do this, if you want to use something known as AWS Signature version 4, um, that I'll speak about in a minute, is you usually get credentials from Amazon Cognito. So I show a logon page, I get those user credentials. And then I pass these credentials as a header in my API request. Um, so this is traditionally used in, as an authorization header, which has a signed token assigned to it. And once I do that, then I can basically connect via a proxy and do all of these things like gets, posts, puts, and deletes, and so forth. Um, additionally, if I've wired that up, I want to send those users uh, you know, tracking events to an analytics database, right? And to do this, though, um, what AWS does is we protect uh, all the analytics that you can send through to your analytics database with Amazon Pinpoint via these credentials that you got from Cognito. Because it probably wouldn't be good if you just had you know, your app that was built up and maybe you had a competitor or somebody else that found out your API key through either decompiling your project or just looking at your source, and they were just sending a bunch of random and fake events, right? So we protect all of this information through those credentials. But once you've got this, uh, we essentially can allow you with just, just using a couple of our libraries uh, to um, get base user information, like session start, session end, if the user logged in, if they logged out, as well as custom uh, events and, and metrics and records, like you know, maybe it's even uh, monetization events, like if they checked out of a purchase or they, you were building a game and needed gems and things like that. But as you get these, you can create campaigns from them. So if I were using React Native, for example, I might send those events to Amazon Pinpoint, and then from there, I can filter and say, okay, these people logged on through these specific days in this month using this specific metric filter, and I'm gonna send them push notifications with this specific message. And I can do A-B testing against it to see if it was you know, messaging that was working right, did they you know, open after they got a message, or their app, maybe it was a push notification or something like that. Now, um, I talked about how you connect to this, and I mentioned you used AWS credentials. So what is AWS credentials? Well, um, this is something known as, and, and I apologize, there's a little bit of math here in the next couple pages, but it's kind of just to talk about um, if you really wanted to build an enterprise app, why a lot of customers focus on authentication and authorization. So let me talk about how this works under the covers, and then I'll show you how we've made it easier for you so you don't have to do this. Um, but the first thing is, 
I want to use uh, AWS credentials to connect to any service, and it might even be S3. I just want to upload and download content. But I'm worried because there's all these apps out there, and I want to, you know, um, I want to have authenticity of who's sending the messages up and down to my backend. So we use this thing called Signature Version 4, which you can find the algorithm on AWS's web page. And what it basically is is it's a canonicalization of uh, a four, iter four iterations of an HMAC process. So um, our SDKs automatically do, do it, like it says on the screen. Um, but what it does is it takes like a seed, it takes the region, it takes the service and time information, and it runs through this four times, and it essentially signs this so that this request is good in just a small period of time. So using something like Amazon Cognito, it's basically one hour that it's good for, and then people have to go through that signing process again if they wanted to do. But it gives you mathematical certainty that that record came from the user that you wanted it to do. Um, and if you look at some of the mathematics behind this, if somebody were to use supercomputers, it's like years to crack this. And then if they were to crack it, they've only cracked it for one individual machine that just made that request at that one time. So you can basically have a high degree of certainty that you are getting properly authorized requests coming through to your backend. Now that's for authorization, what I have access to. The next question we usually get is, okay, that's great, but even to sign that request, I first needed like, yes, you are the user, you should be. And at that point, we, talk, we end up in conversations with customers that say, well, I might want to use social platforms, but I might want to roll my own system as well, like provide logon with you know, um, you know, my, mycompany.com. And this is the authentication piece of this, proving who I am. So we offer our platform, uh, part of Cognito as well. It's a separate side, so this is a managed user directory known as Cognito User Pools to, um, to achieve this functionality. And it gives you OpenIDC, OpenID Connect tokens, or OIDC uh, for short, which are JSON web tokens. Okay? So there's three types of these. There is a identity token to prove who you are. There is a access token to prove who you have access to. And there's a refresh token so that it refreshes regularly. And the way this flow works is I basically send you know, some information to the server about who I am um, based on a password. I'll talk about how this works in a second. And the server sends me back one of these tokens, and then I can use that to sign my request. So where's the flaw in this? Well, I'm, am I sending my password to the server, and then is the server storing this in like an encrypted database or something like that? Actually, it never happened. We don't do that at all. We never send the password over the wire because we implement something known as secure remote, secure, uh, remote password protocol. So this is an open standard, which you can read about on Wikipedia or look at Stanford's original paper on it. And um, this is essentially what happens in the background um, is the client goes through this process of getting a really big prime number, right? Really big prime number. And uh, it creates what's known as a cyclic group out of it, and it comes up with this number. So in this case, it takes a salt, which is S, takes a, an input, that's the user's password, and that prime number, right? And it creates this V, right? This V is the verifier. And then the protocol looks something like this. I, I send like, my input to the server to get some of this stuff. I calculate this on the client. And then I only ever send that verifier across the network. And this is pretty cool, right? Because a couple of things. One, your password never actually leaves the physical device itself to prove who you are. The second, there's no risk of ever exposing some of this stuff on the back end. And this, this has the, the same properties in the um, philosophy of what I just mentioned before, right? Even if you cracked one specific system, which uh, the, the system is built to withstand uh, attackers even you know, seeing repeated traffic over the network and extracting passwords from that. But even if you did that, the password was never in the back end in the first place. 
So this is a lot of complex stuff, right? Well, let's talk about um, how this works under the covers uh, on when it comes to doing it on different client platforms. So the first is to do some of that math, um, and why did we release uh, some of the things like the Samplify library is that takes a lot of CPU cycles on mobile devices, right? And um, when you're doing the CPU cycles on mobile devices, uh, there's things like multi Montgomery multiplication and other algorithms that calculate big matrices. But what we've seen is uh, just-in-time compilation on different JavaScript libraries is often disabled on different platforms. It's disabled on some of the web platforms and some node environments. Specifically, it's disabled uh, very commonly in uh, React Native environments and some Ionic environments as well. And the reason they're doing this is because they're, they're trying to optimize like uh, frame refreshes and rates and when you're doing scrolling and so forth and stuff like this. And so when you want to implement something like this with things like Cognito Federated Identities to do social and SAML, it's a little bit tough because you, what the output is is if you don't optimize for these use cases, you end up with like slow logons to even get, you know, it takes 60 seconds to log on because of all the math being done in the background for somebody to get a secure connection. So what we did is we released this thing called AWS Amplify. And the goal is, um, you know, first of all, I talked about several things, right? I talked about this service like API Gateway and I talked about Cognito. And I talked about um, you know, pinpoint for messaging, as well as analytics. And, and if you notice, I talked about specific services, and then I talked about technical details about how they work. But the truth is, I, if we rewind back what I, talked to, what I started this discussion um, about in the beginning of the talk was, I didn't, none, none, none of you had use cases to where I want to come and build an app that uses Cognito, or I want to come and build an app that uses API Gateway. Your use cases is you want to build an app that does X and you want to add capabilities to it like auth or analytics and things like this. So our idea here was to give an open source library that frankly you could swap implementations out underneath the covers, but with some standard declarative interfaces like you know, in an auth category, the ability to sign up or to sign in or to get your current credentials. In the analytics category, you know, just by default capturing some session information and then you know, send metric send record, things like this, right? So very easy for front-end and client developers to reason about without needing to know details about AWS distributed infrastructures and so forth. Because that can cause a lot of friction, right, if you need to figure out how all of these services work in, at first. Instead, we've, we've given this convention over configuration type style library that you can program against any of these different categories and you can do things like internationalization on it, logging, you can connect to these. And then even underneath the covers, you know, I talked about all that math happening. We do all of the signing for you. We add native bridges to connect on certain platforms like React Native into the underlying OS so that you can do some of these high performance computations. And then we give you some extensions for certain category or for certain frameworks like for React and React Native, I'm going to show you we give you some higher order components which are essentially wrappers and things like that as well as um, uh, custom components that you can, you know, add in a login interface with just like three lines of code. Um, so how do, what is this broken down into? Let's talk about the, the modules first. I'll talk about some of the details and code samples, and then I'll go in and demo some of the pieces for you. So um, as I mentioned, you know, uh, very declarative interface, even for some things like MFA, right? So MFA is a couple of styles. This could be text-based MFA, where you get a code. Could be email confirmation-based MFA. Um, and uh, you can essentially you just import Amplify uh, for, as the library. So you first npm install it, um, or you can download the package. It's, this is all on GitHub if you search for AWS Amplify. Um, and we encourage you know issues and PRs as well. 
Uh, and then you either you do one of two things. You, you can configure it by using a quick start with AWS Mobile Hub, which is a standard configuration file. And basically, it's just a big you know, export that says, here is your Cognito identity pool, or here is your API gateway endpoint. But you can also, at runtime, pass in uh, parameters for configuration. And I really want to stress this, because um, we give you quick starts and ways to scaffold this out very quickly with AWS Mobile Hub. But the way that we built this library is you can use existing AWS resources and just pass them as an object to the, JSON, to the configuration as an object. And then, you know, I've got my credential or my configuration. All I need to do is like auth.signin, auth.register user, and just provide you some callbacks to, to move forward with that. So you could even do it on headless interfaces if you wanted to do this. Uh, then if you wanted to, you know, really go specifically on like a React, um, you know, native or a React web interface, you can use like these higher order components we give you like with Authenticator. We have some others for like with storage and things like that. Um, and you can compose these, like, you know, give a custom message when somebody's signed in, or when they sign out, give them a special message that says, hey, come back and log in, or something like that, or see you soon. Right? All sorts of config that you can do on this. Um, analytics module is pretty cool. This was a big ask for, you know, a lot of people over the past years. They, they love Pinpoint, but we, we actually never had, until last week, uh, you know, a proper way to um, do, uh, or an official supported Pinpoint SDK of sorts. Um, or even library to, to send analytics data from JavaScript apps. And now, literally all you have to do is configure it. And by default, even if there's no authenticated user, it's just using an unauthenticated Cognito identity pool, we will capture that user session information and send those events. You don't need to do anything. We'll do it automatically in the background. Then if you log in, you can do things like, here's my specific record, here's an album, um, you know, maybe some metrics with it. Uh, as I mentioned before, you can even do monetization, whether it's real or you know, virtualized currency. We have a storage module. Um, storage module is pretty cool. Uh, this specifically interacts with S3, but for a lot of very common mobile development use cases, right? So it's got this concept of public and private capabilities that you can do when it comes to user content. And by public, what I mean, and, and this is actually really important, especially as you see a lot of companies struggle with um, you know, privacy and protection of their S3 buckets when they're trying to create apps to share out with users. Um, so public, what we mean is it's public to the people using the app. So you might have a bucket with a bunch of images or things like that that is just a grab bag of anybody can upload or download data to it. Cool, it's like the public area. But maybe every single user that logs into your app, they should have an area that's private to them that they could upload content like photos or videos. And what we do is um, we let you configure this on the API level itself as well as globally when you're using the storage module. And behind the scenes, we use uh, S3 policy variables. So these are actually policy variables that um, in IAM know the user's cognito identity. So there's like a folder structure that goes with it. So if they try to write or read from someone else's identity folder structure behind the scenes, IAM will do, using Amplify configured, IAM will do a runtime check and only allow them to access that structure that they were in in that S3 bucket. Um, and you can, again, you can do this yourself and set that IAM policy, or it's literally one click using AWS Mobile Hub Console or using the CLI to set this stuff up with a single command. 
Um, another thing with storage module, we added this kind of late last week as well, right after our initial soft launch was, um, you know, we, same style as before, right? We have those with authenticator pieces. We've also added pieces for common, uh, you know, image and, and display use cases. Like we have uh, this, this S3 image capability here um, to where you can have a photo picker and display the, the images uh, that, that are either from your machine or if they were private again, maybe they were just the images for your private bucket. So we wanted to remove this friction as well. And we'll be doing this more for different frameworks as we go forward and you know, based on feedback for the Amplify library. Now, the API module, this was also another very big ask. Um, how many people in here have just built from the ground up API gateway you know, REST endpoints? Handful of people. How many people have then tried to turn on AWS IAM and do just like a simple get from there and had a lot of success? OK. Yeah. One hand now. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, this is true, right? It's um, like I outlined earlier, right? We have this awesome security system that's you know pretty hardened um, from an industry perspective. But we we to then make this signed call, it's been a little bit tough because we haven't had a library to do these things. And this was one of the areas that we really wanted to tackle well as well, which I'm going to demo for you in a few minutes here um, with Amplify, which was um, give the capability to just authenticate very easily, and then call just just. Just call HTTP verbs against your endpoint and maybe pass in some options if you need it, like a header, for example. And we do all the signing and um, wrapping of that API request for you and then provide the information back to you as the developer. So um, what you do, again, um, as you're seeing probably a pattern here, right? Amplify configure. And I brought up this earlier. Convention over configuration. Um, you just need, if you're going to use IAM, obviously you have to be, you know, um, either you have to use the auth module in one way or the other. Either you could have your IAM policy on your API gateway endpoint either open for unauthenticated users, but still they need to at least have a cognito identity, or it could be for authenticated users, up to you. But you can pass in your API endpoints. And one of the other things we, we built here, and again, this goes back to my point earlier today, like we're really adopting a lot of these front end ecosystems like GraphQL. But we know that many people still have REST endpoints that they want to integrate with, and maybe multiple REST endpoints. So you can pass multiple API gateway endpoints with a friendly name, and all you need to do is pass in that specific name and the invocation URL from API Gateway's interface. Then to call this from a client perspective, right? this will return a promise. So you can call this as a promise using observable. I think it returns an observable, actually. But you can use like observables or async await and um, just pass in that API name and then the path and optional headers. So from a developer's perspective, they don't need to know about signing requests. They don't need to know about authorization headers, anything else. They just need to know the verb that it's coming from and then just call it and return their data to their client. That's all that they need to do. Um, some other modules that, uh, that, that we've dipped a toe in the water but we're going to extend a little bit more is uh, capabilities around internationalization. And um, hopefully you can see it okay on the screen, but what I did was I used here in this picture um, Amplify Configure again, but when I had Amplify, I pulled in the um, I18N module and I set it to French. So inside of, I'm using an, that um, higher order component for React here as well with Authenticator, and um, I would try to pronounce this as French, but I don't speak French. But trust me, I know a person that speaks French, and he said that this is accurate. Um, so you can add in another language uh, just with one line of code here and, and essentially get this, this level of security for different users of your needs. 
Um, we've got a logging uh, debugger built in as well, so you can, you know, if you have some issues, you can troubleshoot it in different modes, as well as a little PubSub system inside your app, which is pretty neat, right? Um, so this is called um, Hub, and you can like dispatch events from one of these categories to another. So maybe there was a use case that we didn't cover in the design of the library, uh, but you'd like to notify, you know, maybe the auth library if something happens for one of the storage or the API cases or vice versa. You can actually do this notification within the library as part of the system. Um, so I mentioned uh, this CLI. Um, the other thing that's cool about this CLI, um, you know, besides just kind of scaffolding out some of your projects, is it won't just create the AWS resources behind the scenes for you, but if you're building mobile web apps, um, it will handle the publishing of that web app to a serverless website, which is essentially an S3 bucket that's backed by uh, CloudFront with proper access controls on it. So you can create either uh, an app from scratch or maybe you've got an Angular app or an Ember app or a React app, navigating the, navigate that directory and do you know, an init on the, on the, on the, um, the project. We'll create like a hidden file structure inside of that um, with all of the config. But you then can add some of the Amplify pieces in and you just do an AWS mobile publish and we'll build it for you, or you can decide to do, a, I think it's a, a run and then and build it yourself, but you can do a, a build and publish, and it'll put it on the S3 bucket and then distribute it to all your CloudFront endpoints. So you can essentially get, you know, go from zero to adding components and then not even need to touch the console and do kind of CICD style deployments uh, automatically using this functionality. So um, I have talked for about 30 minutes, and I think we're probably going to do a demo right now. So let me talk to you about what I'm going to demo. So um, some of you might be familiar with this. Uh, uh, we've, we've done some demos, and we've got some examples online of using uh, Amplify with some basic React apps. But what I wanted to do today is talk about a very common pattern in uh, not just the React, but the general JS ecosystem, which is known as Redux. Um, and it's inspired by a Facebook uh, style of development known as Flux. Um, some other people might know this as CQRS, very similar style development patterns. Anybody heard of any of these, or is this all Greek? Okay, a few people, good, all right. Um, so uh, what you do with a Redux style pattern, and this is, um, you know, I made this, but it's almost out of the docs itself, is uh, you basically, it's a way of uh, doing state management for large applications. So um, I've talked about all of these things, right? I've talked about analytics, I've talked about data and joining them up and storing them, but um, you know, what if your data, like you've got five different panes or 15 of your application with multiple views and then there's lots of different files. How do you maintain all of this state centrally and then dispatch at the proper point? Well, um, so the, the idea between, around uh, Redux is it's a single store for state management and you have two concepts. You have, um, well, first you have the view, which, you know, is a display of the, of the store and you use uh, these things called action creators um, to dispatch specific actions to that single store. So action creators are usually a specific type, like what's happening. In this case, I'm gonna show the classic to-do application, which I'm sure everybody's excited about, but uh, easy way of showing the library. And like it might be add to-do or mark to-do as done, things like that. And then I send a payload essentially with that to the store. Then the store itself manages what logic happens through these things called reducers. And um, what it does is it, reducer is a, a pure function, so completely stateless. And uh, it's called that because it reduces two things into one, right? Which you can see in this diagram. I'm getting the previous state from the store as well as the payload. And then I run it through a process that returns to me this one thing, which is the new state. 
So with Amplify, it might look something like this. Um, and this is just one example. Um, there's a couple of different ways to do this. Um, so you might, uh, most likely what you're going to do is uh, your view layer, you're going to wrap with an auth component. Um, so I'll show you how you can do that with one of these, uh, with Authenticator HOCs. Um, you might also put storage components in front of that, right? So uploading and downloading files and so forth. Uh, the other interesting thing around this is um, analytics and APIs. And um, the way you can do this is very simply using something known as Redux Thunk. Um, there's also some other methods to make your action creators be asynchronous. But um, very common use cases, I'm calling an asynchronous API backend. I might, you know, in this case, I'm going to show you how to call API Gateway with Redux Thunk using uh, Amplify. And I might, when I first do it, my to-do, I'm going to mark it as pending. And actually run it through a Lambda function, have the Lambda function, once it receives it, change the content of the, of the to-do to say something else. And then I return that and update the local state um, so that I've got like my single source of truth. But I can also do stuff in there like calling analytics, you know, adding events and so forth. And this is pretty cool because we've simplified programming in AWS from a category perspective and from an application architecture perspective. Now I can just like control these things in just one or two places depending on my use case. So um, let's look at some uh, pieces of AWS Amplify here for a second. Come up. It did. How about that? All right. So uh, the first thing is, um, as I mentioned, uh, AWS Amplify, um, completely open source. You can you know, go check it out if you want to. Um, uh, it's uh, open sourced under Apache 2.0. Um, it's pretty cool. We got two pull requests today already. Not bad. Um, and uh, the, it's broken down into those categories, but it's, it's pretty quick to get going. You, uh, you know, install it via NPM. And then we've got quick start guides, such as, as, as I mentioned, like just configuring it, adding things to um, you know, a background. But um, I'm going to actually take you through an application first. Uh, so um, if you're familiar with like Create React App, I'm just showing some code on, on how you can use Create React App to add Amplify to your application. So um, I will start this back up. Come on. There we go. Cool. I'll sign out in a second and show it. Well, um, I've got MFA on, so we'll see how well text messaging works in here. So I'll demo, the, I'll demo signed in first before I sign out. Um, so, uh, but as you, with this Create React App style um, application or any of them, um, essentially what you can see is, uh, as I mentioned, you, know, you just kind of import whatever you want from AWS Amplify, such as the whole lib or pieces of it. Um, and then you can pull in some specific things like for our React uh, HOCs, you can pull in like the authenticator or with authenticator. You can pull in specific greetings and kind of build out your own UX when it comes to logging in or logging out. Um, but the, the most important thing is you need to pass it some configuration, right? Now, I'm using what we've standardized around um, for some of our services known as an AWS exports file. And Mobile Hub creates this, but we've started permeating this throughout our system. Um, and uh, it does something. It does things like um, essentially grabs all of your configuration, like your your you know your cloud logic backends, which are essentially API gateway endpoints. Grabs things like your project names, grabs your DynamoDB table names if you want to interface with those, your S3 buckets, and so forth. And in, um, you could pass these you know individually to AWS to your configuration, or like I'm doing, pass it through as an object. 
So uh, the reason I'm showing this app is because I've done a couple of things. One is I logged in before I walked in here. And you'll notice that at the bottom, so I have uh, basically this main app, right? So this is, this is what I'm rendering on the screen. And let me make this a little bit bigger so you can see. Um, this is a standard React, um, you know, create React app. Uh, it's creating an app component that it's going to export at the bottom. And what I've done is I just passed it this HOC with Authenticator. So that's all I needed to do to add some, um, a login page. Now, if you notice, I've also got this sign out button because I don't need that necessarily. If I just did you know, this, it's, it's not there anymore. So it's basically a way of passing specific information in like, do I wanna say who the user is? Do I wanna give them sign out capabilities or not? Just through some common commands. Again, you know, the whole idea about Amplify is encoding industry patterns for UX flows when you're interacting with the cloud. Um, now, I don't have uh, it, it baked into here uh, just for time for the demo, but if I wanted to, I could, all, I could have also you know, built in my, I could use this authenticator component that we provide to, to build, in, build like my custom UX when it comes to signing in. So I could have a sign-in screen, specific greetings that I want to give to people and so forth, stuff like that. Um, but in this screen here, I added three specific buttons. So I added this call API, this get creds, and this record, um, or this record one, excuse me. What do these do? Well, as I mentioned earlier, Amplify isn't just a React or React Native thing. It's actually just a base library that we extend with specific framework information on top of it. So this is just using essentially our raw API to do some specific things. So you can see I've got confirmed sign up in here. If I wanted to, I could just pass in you know, um, if I had first actually done a sign-in from here, like, I would get back a code if I've got MFA on. So then if I wanted to confirm, like, the sign-in or sign-up, I would pass through that username and code, right? So you can, you can have your own UX on top of this and just use the individual library APIs. Um, for getting credentials, um, I can get AWS credentials with this auth current credentials. I've also got capabilities with the current session to get um, uh, JWT tokens, those OIDC tokens from Cognito user pools. So basically, we're just exposing these common things to make it easier for you. The ones that I'm going to show you here in a second are the call API as well as this record. And um, you know, I really wasn't kidding when I said you know it's pretty easy to use these things once you've authenticated and just wrapped your component. When I call the API, what I've got is my friendly API name that you saw in the AWS exports file. And then the URI against API Gateway is this items restaurants. And I'll, I'll show you in a second here how it works with the Redux app. When I do record, I can do analytics dot, you know, button click, you know, whatever, things like that. Um, so if I show you here over on the screen, um, this will actually be an interesting test because I haven't tested this uh, yet today. So we'll see what happens here. So let's go over to console log first. OK. So this was the get one, right? Get that went to get creds. And that got my get creds um, current credentials. So as you can see, in this case, this had those you know, access key, secret keys, and my um, short-term token. Uh, that comes from uh, Cognito Identity, so that it'll sign my request when I'm going to call an API. 
So I didn't have to do anything special with signing or anything else. I literally just wrapped my component with that with Authenticator HOC, and then I got my credentials. But I, I'm just doing this to prove it. I don't actually need, need to do it. Now this time I want to do this call API, which this call API um, was basically calling API.get. So it's going to call a get method if it was API.post to call a post method on this resource. So this is returning me some information from my API gateway endpoint, which you can see here, execute API, amazonaws.com. It came with this specific you know, signing token, which is protected by AWS IAM. I, as a JavaScript developer, didn't have to do anything else. I just had to call these declarative interfaces. And then, of course, finally, and if we show you some of the network as this is happening, you can see this is coming back from, I'm actually not really returning any data. I think, yeah, I returned an empty array, just to prove it. I'll return data in a second. Um, but if I want to record some data, I can, of course, do that. And this will flow through to pinpoint analytics. So I don't know if I spit out anything to the, yeah, I just did a click in this case. Um, so this will, this will shoot out information to pinpoint analytics, which gets uploaded roughly you know, every five minutes or so. Now, if I look in the console, just to show you a couple of those things, I'm going to go over to pinpoint. And I know I have a lot of these, so I think I have React sample, analytics. This is basically getting all of my application analytics, which I think we can see. Yep, that's November 28th, 27th, a few here. You can see some information coming from my mobile client here that, that I, I shuttled through to Pinpoint, right? So you can see monthly active endpoints going through. You can see when I originally started building this on the 17th, um, I'm sending through some information, right? And I can you know, look at this over the last 30 days, over the last seven days, things like that as well as look at the individual events themselves. So some of the event types, just by, without, um, you can see my button click one in there, but like session start, session end, um, did user sign in, did they send out, you can dynamically track information through here, and this is a really low cost way to add analytics to your JavaScript script based app. So that's pretty neat, but um, you know, I showed you an architecture a couple of minutes ago of doing this in a Redux style app, well what, what would that look like? So I will close this one down really quick. Actually. Before I show this one. this really quick. Actually. Let me show you the starting point first, just so you see how we would add Amplify to a Redux-style app. OK. Cool. So a very easy-to-do application here. You know. Um, uh, Mobile session, I add stuff, another um, 
JavaScript library, right? Pretty straightforward to do app that I can mark stuff complete or not, right? And the prototype of this that you would do many times if you're doing a Redux tutorial or something else is probably something many people are, are familiar with, but um, you start with your app. You create a store here. This is almost you know, textbook out of Redux documentation. Um, and I showed that kind of diagram before where I had action creators um, that come from actions as well as reducers. So um, my actions are going to be things that look like this. right? I'm going to create, um, for each one of these to-dos, I'm creating an, a unique ID to store it locally. And I have a type which is add to-do, and then that toggle to-do like you just saw is basically me clicking it. And it goes to this reducer that when it's add to-do, I push it onto an array that's locally in my, in my Redux store. And when I'm pressing toggle to do, uh, it marks it as done and you know, does a strike through basically um, on my component. You can see here, to do is done and it does a strike through. So this is, but this is essentially, forgetting about the UI piece, the, the state management, I have reducers and then I have actions that are pretty, pretty simple, right? Oops, let me put these side by side, okay? So let's say that I wanted to add Amplify to this, and I just wanted to start with a logon page. So this time, keeps popping me to that other browser. So this time I've got my AWS exports already configured and a couple of things in this, right? I've got my Cognito identity pool for my auth component. I also have an API gateway backend, okay? I'll show you what that API gateway backend looks like in a second, um, but I've got this Redux sample that I've got in here. And I've got some other stuff like um, you know, uh, analytics as well as S3 uh, buckets for storage and so forth, things like that. So what I do is I start here in my entry point, and I just want to wrap my entire app in this, this auth component. So um, what I, I'll, I'll log out and show you that when I do it again um, at the end of the session. But all I do is I import Amplify, and I configure it. And I pull in this with Authenticator. And um, the one thing that I need for Redux is I need a middleware, which is Redux Thunk. So I would install Redux Thunk, npm install save Redux Thunk, pass this as a middleware. And then I can basically um, take my to-do list that I pulled in before. Um, I'm setting it true because I remember I wanted like a little bit of a sign-out thing with my information. And this is essentially my React Hire order, order component. This is all I would need to do if I just wanted to get credentials and authentication information to my Redux app. It's literally that simple. Cool. So that's nice. Um, if you notice, when I logged in, I don't have any code yet for um, analytics information, but you can see down here it's got events with mobile analytics that it's actually sending over the network. And what it's doing is some of those things that you saw in the console without me even needing to do a record event or anything else, I'm getting session information like session start, session stop. I'm getting user sign in, user sign out. So automatically that's handled under the covers. I didn't need to pass that anywhere. If I wanted to pass it somewhere, 
I would pass it to one of my action creators potentially and just send that over the network. Each time you know, one, one of those specific act, act, uh, actions was fired, I might send a specific event based off of that. But the really common use case is, you know, if I'm adding some to-dos here, right, I might want them to go to a database in the back end through like API Gateway. And many times, especially when we're dealing with mobile applications, uh, this is another classic app, like I'm creating a blog post in a mobile application, I might be creating um, you know, something that's just gonna store a record somewhere. When I do the write, it's gotta be optimistically because it's for either mobile web or it's on a hybrid app or something else. So the traditional thing is you usually do a uh, you know, a write, like I type the to-do in, and then I press something, and then it's in a pending state. And only when the record comes back to me do I then store it as, you know, completed. I've basically gotten round-trip confirmation over the network that this has done a write to somewhere, and now I can store it as, okay, it's completed. So how would you do something like this? Well, let's first look at what, the, what, what I've got on the back end. So I have an API gateway um, API set up over here. I thought really hard about this, and I named it test. Um, and uh, then I added a route called um, you know, Redux with a get, something very simple. But to show you this, you can see I've got AWS IAM, as I mentioned before, which does signature version 4 signing. The other thing is I've got this uh, integration request with a Lambda, and it's got this Redux to do. And the thing that I'm doing here, I'm, I'm not actually storing anything in a data database. I'm just kind of proving the fact on what you can do in manipulating data. So what I do is I return to the client, if it's done this full round trip, uh, very, something very simple, it, it pipes out the event just for my logging and then returns Redux to do. Basically confirmed, I've acknowledged you that you've done this round trip over the network, okay? Now on my client, what I'm gonna do here is a couple of things. So if I show you here, right, I've got you know, my containers that I've got these toggle to do's and stuff, but if we look at my reducer and my actions side by side. I'll make this really big. What do I need to do to add this type of functionality using AWS in with uh, Amplify? Well, I imported the library here. So um, I changed a couple of little things. I made this, uh, I, I, I first made my, since I'm generating IDs on the client, I made this you know, UID little function to be asynchronous using async await. Um, there's a reason I did that, I'll show you in a second. And then I uh, pulled in um, AWS exports file again, and I grabbed you know, my API gateway endpoint. And these are what I pass to my configuration. Right? The other thing uh, that I did was um, I, have, I changed my to-do, right? So I, I left it in the code here so you could see it. But this is what my to-do looked like before. Oops. So this is what my to-do in the non-amplified version looked like before. And now because I'm using Redux, I made this asynchronous. So what, what Redux thunk does is if you return a function, essentially, um, it will asynchronously let, let you fire this to your store um, in the background and allow processing of data. So from a function standpoint, what I've done here is, you know, when I first press the button and enter and stuff, it's gonna call a dispatch method called add to do start. And I'm basically just gonna take whatever text I put in, I'm gonna add pending plus the text, okay? So in my reducer, I changed that from the last one and I added in a case of add to do start and I add this to my local store. So you could imagine this is pretty cool, right? If maybe my network connection was really flaky, 
me as a mobile developer on my front end, I can still add some data. And these are to-dos, but this could be some sort of form or some other important data. And maybe you could use something like AWS AppSync to persist some of this offline if you wanted to. But now I've got that data, even if it's in a pending state, and I haven't gotten my round trip answer from the network. Now what I do is um, I added some custom headers. And I added this in here um, as a header with food, redux thunk. Again, I didn't add a lot of thought to this, clearly. Uh, but um, I did that just to show you know, if you were setting cores information with custom headers with API Gateway, um, we support that as well. So if you were to look in, uh, actually, I think it's over here. Uh, I have to remember where our options are. I'll look at that in a minute. But um, you can pass custom headers. You just have to set them in API Gateway. And um, it can be anything. And you can log down to the back end and process that as you, as you like. But what happens is, um, because I called this async await, I'm able to add this dispatch. Locally, it's going to show it's in a pending state. Then when it fires over the network, um, when I get the response back, I'm going to change it to be response the response that came back, which if you remember correctly in my Lambda function was just Redux to do. It's always going to come back from that from the server. And then I'm going to just append that with the text that came back. So um, if we were, because I'm logged in on the client, if I was to run this, right? So I'm going to do amplified test, hit enter. You can see it was pending, came across the network. And this is actually a really nice demo because we're at a conference with a slow network, right? Um, you can see uh, <laughs> it took longer than it did uh, if you were at your Wi-Fi or at your house. Um, but it, it basically processed this through. It hit API Gateway. You know, lo locally, it fired off, right? It did the first um, to-do start, ran this one. Um, and again, these are all signed requests using the auth component from uh, Amplify. Then when it got the, the response back here from the network, um, I just basically did another um, you know, dispatch firing to the Redux uh, store. And then it ran through its reducer and changed the text. And, you know, I could do this a couple more times. Um, Las Vegas session. Cool. Did it again. Um, if you notice the, the code earlier, I was actually going to do a timeout, but then I remembered that the Wi-Fi connection is probably slower at a conference, so I didn't. I, I took my chances that it would be readable. Um, so as the last thing, you know, there's just two more things before we finish up that I want to show you. You know, I've been promising you know, a couple of these things like um, you know, the sign-out and sign-in capabilities. But um, if you remember in the app.js, all I did was you know, just pulled this with Authenticator. And then I, I wrapped, essentially, um, my, my app with this higher order component and passed it through. Well, what you would see from that is um, something like I could you know, get a basic component that looks like this. You can style this as well as you like. Um, the the uh, Amplify library provides that on, on the repo. Um, if I wanted to do sign, in, sign up functionality, you know, I could put you know, Richard with some password information that I won't do right now during the presentation. Um, and uh, you know, it'd, be, it'd be pretty capable from you know, doing that SRP signing process that, that you heard before on both React and React Native platforms um, and others as well. So if I wanted to go back to um, the sign-in page, um, if I click down here, this time I'll put in, I think I used this. And OK, here's the test to see if I can get a text message in this room. Yes, we're in luck. 
So nine, four, one, two, seven, two. So this is SMS-based MFA. And you can see, nice, because I'm using Redux, my, my store is still hydrated, and you know, I'm logged in and I can do some of those actions. This was SMS-based MFA. You can also do email-based MFA. Um, you can, I, I take that back. You can do email-based, but you can do n-factor MFA with Cognito user pools through this session as well. So you can do you know, um, you know, CAPTCHAs and all sorts of stuff and you know, keep the, the chain going on as you like. Um, the last thing I will just talk about really quick before finishing up switch back over to presentation here is um, so if you did uh, see some of these things too you know I showed how you can use this library again for the the, the, the existing AWS ecosystem before yesterday um, you can also use this really easily with uh, if you're interested in uh, dabbling in with uh, GraphQL and AWS AppSync using the real-time and offline functionality there um, it's also even easier because you know I showed you some of those API's that you saw before like um, getting the credentials either for the OIDC style tokens or from the AWS IAM credentials. Since AppSync supports both of these, like you can do for GraphQL types, you can do uh, AWS IAM style authentication or authorization at the GraphQL type level. And you can also use Cognito user pools with groups to specify, you know, you know, HR users or engineering or finance, like they can do these specific operations on GraphQL schemas. You can essentially use these, these two, uh, you know, auth.current session and auth.current credentials, these two uh, APIs, and pass it straight to your uh, AWS AppSync client. So you can see in both of these cases, I've kind of highlighted it in red and done it out, but if I wanted to use Amazon Cognito user pools, all I need to do is just get the current session and the, the access token. Uh, I, ha I am missing an N on the end there, so uh, it should say access token with an N. Um, but then you pass that through. And similarly, if you want to pass in AWS IAM credentials, it's literally this easy using this library uh, with that new service from yesterday. So um, with that, thanks, everybody, for listening.